Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are taking what the market gives and then some. We feature leaders and teams that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Xvoyant, the one-on-one sales improvement platform that's transforming how high-growth sales leaders use Salesforce around the world. If you're one of the 97% of the sales leaders that have a sales process but don't have a structured one-on-one coaching process, check out Xvoyant today. The Exvoyant team will show you how your one-on-ones with each rep will drive purpose-driven activities in a way that will create new normals and impact your organization almost immediately. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you create a sales dynasty faster than you ever thought possible. We're excited to announce the release of the Exvoyant Sales Leadership eBook. This book features secrets of some of the world's greatest sales leaders. You'll be introduced to coaching tactics, the building blocks of high growth, and other insights you can apply to help how you lead your team. This book is free, no strings attached. So head to exvoyant.com, download the book, read it, and share it today. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. Today, we are joined by one of my great friends, Jaco Vanderkoy, founder and CEO of Winning by Design. Winning by Design helps the world's fastest-growing SaaS companies design, build, and scale sales systems that fuel record growth. Jocko's team serve over 300 companies around the world with his innovative approach to process, training, and skill development. Jocko is one of the most sought-after speakers in the sales world, and today I am so excited to have him join us. Jocko, welcome to our show, and thank you so much for joining us, my friend. Woohoo! Rob, thank you for having me. I love it, dude. I love it. We have had some good times together on a couple stages, you and I, and I am so stoked that for the 50th episode of the award-winning Sales Leadership Podcast, I have one of the great minds in sales today. Jocko, this is going to be great. Dude, we need to put a beat to that. That's all we can do, man. We need, this is the 50th. We need to celebrate it. <laughs> the 50th. We're celebrating by bringing one of my favorite dudes. So keep that beat rolling. And Jocko, if, if you're in sales, they know who you are. But for those people who may not have been introduced to the awesomeness that is Jocko, can you mm-hmm. give us a quick story, like on winning by design, what you do, where you fit, and and and, and then we'll get this party started. Okay, so I think that what, what for me is important. I just came back from the Netherlands. My mom passed away a few months ago, and so I came back and went back there to you know like celebrate her life. Um, when you do that, you you know like you obviously are confronted with where you're from. I am Rob. I am not supposed to be here where I'm at right now. I'm not supposed to be working on Sand Hill Road in a fancy, nice office in, in, within the storm facilities. I'm not supposed to hang out with people that have graduates from Stanford, Harvard, and all these Mass, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm a guy who used to work in a taco stand. 25 years, uh, my parents owned a Dutch-style taco stand, which is a French fry store. I like tacos. 
right? And in a very, in a very, um, uh, factory driven neighborhood. And so, um, coming back from that like little, uh, mission that I went on, you know, like I, I like to think that I'm like most of your listeners. I'm just a person who just started somewhere in the not most favorable position, having to work where I'm at right now, pretty much every day in day out. Yep. No, well, there's lots of luck involved. Um, but one of the key things that I, I always struggle with is there's one day, you know, like I vividly remember I'm playing on the basketball hoops in, 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 in the street. And, you know, like I always thought that somebody would come and pick me up. I thought that, you know, like somebody would drive by, see this wonderful three point shot nowadays and go like, Oh my gosh, we need to get this guy on a basketball team. Right. And as life progressed, I thought that somebody would pick me up in, 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 in school and say, like, this person is brilliant. And I went to the lowest education possible in the Netherlands called LTS. That was where I started. And then I thought when I entered the workspace, you know what? One day somebody will see me for the brilliance and they will pick me up. Some CEO will say, will you be my eight? And that never came. And then so lo and behold, I just figured out that while I all the time was looking for this incredible supporter that would pick me up, I realized that that person never came uh, now in, in history. But what I also looking back realized is that on that journey, there was not maybe one person who made a difference, but there were like hundreds of them and a person like you and you and I connected. But there's hundreds of these regular people that help you. The, these people that you meet on an airplane that, that changes your life moving forward. And I find that we we try to look too hard and pay too much attention to these big, massive changers of our lives that we're looking for and they never get. But what we're not respecting and appreciating is the everyday normal human beings that we meet that make a minor change to us, but that have a huge impact on us. And those people, sometimes we call that luck. I just call that, you know, karma. I just help the people around you and then they will help you achieve what your wildest dreams are. I love that, Jocko. I freaking love that. And that's what you... You know, you've, you've taken that, that approach to, you know, achieving. And what I love is you found a way to focus that for sales leaders. Is, is that a fair thing, a fair way to put that? That you've taken that passion and that way of saying, let's be in charge of what we do rather than wait for luck to come our way. Isn't that kind of what you help sales leaders do at Winning by Design? Among others, I think that, so where it comes down from, from a sales perspective, it comes down to this. I believe that what sales embodies, and when I mean sales, Rob, I mean every customer-facing role. I divide the company in two, two pieces, the people who build product and the people who sell product. Okay. And those who sell product are sales, customer success, prospectors, marketing, SEO, optimization specialists, everybody that touches the customer. Now, what I find that we have as a salespeople that what we need to do is build that passion between the wonderful product that has been created and the human beings that are going to interact with it. And, you know, that passion needs to come across by you knowing your product, you knowing your customers, or you knowing who you are yourself. And when you do that and you help your customers by trying to understand truly what the problem is and you're fixing it, you do that on the basis of passion and because you're good at it. And when you have combined those two things, I believe that in general, whether your quota says it or not, I don't care. But anybody that works hard, is passionate, and knows their stuff, in my book, will end up right. And, you know, like, and whether, again, whether they hit quota or not will be secondary. It will come eventually. I love that. All right. So let's, let's, uh, I love your story. I love your history, your passion, man. Every time I'm around you, Jocko, I get crazy. Uh, (laughs) 
awesome. I, 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 our, our listeners are in for a treat. I, I generally have a lot of different things that we like to go through, but when you and I are prepping for this, I loved what you said. Let's free the flow. Let's, let's have a free flowing conversation like you and me always do. I want to start with what I think you have a very unique, uh, perspective of Jaco. Ready for the big question? Ready. Give it to me, Rob. What is the biggest differentiator for a sales leader in 2020? Sales leaders biggest differentiator to lead their team, impact their team, whatever you want to call it for 2020. Okay. Rob, how, what is the average life cycle right now? What's the average tenure of a company on an, for an AE? How long do they stay with a company? That's a good question. I don't know AE. I know, I know a sales leader is like 18 to 24 months. Uh, is a rep, what is it? Is it less than two years? Yeah, it's less than two years. About 18 okay. to 19 months. Okay. And what do you, what do you think an SDR is? Isn't an SDR less than a year? Isn't it like 10 to 12 months? That's 10 to 12 months. Okay. Now our industry. Am I right? Am I passing the test? Yeah, you're passing the test. Okay. Our, our industry and in, our enterprise sales industry is traditionally built on a four year cycle. In year one, you train. In year two, you become, you know, generally productive, but not, uh, very uh, profitable. In year three, you're really making money for the company. And in year four, you're still making money, but you're likely being trained and, you know, like moving to another job. And hopefully that could be a promotion. But if not, you're moving out of the, the, the world. Today, what we live in is somewhere between nine to, you know, like 17, 18, 19, 20 months is the average tenure of a sales rep in a company. Okay. They change jobs every five years. And when I say change job, it's not a promotion. We're talking about a complete career change. I would go from marketing to sales, from sales to welding, you know, from carpeting to setting kitchens or something like that. A real career change I'm talking about. Okay. That means that if we want to be our, if we as sales leaders want to be, want to be productive, our sales team's got to be productive. But if we're sales, if our sales teams are not productive because by the time they know what to do, they're already moving on to the next job is what is currently happening. So for me, what is key for sales leaders is 2020 to understand this. Can I reach productivity of my individual performers within the time frame that they are assigned to me? Because I'm not here to be a, be a training institute. If you're a sales leader, you know, obviously you take great pride in building great talent. But in the end of the day, you're there to produce, you're a productive, you're the productivity center of the company. And so you need to, you need to find a way. Now, I do, I word is as follows. How can I get a person within six months, a five year or a 10 year level of experience? If you do not have a plan for that and you do not know what you're going to do about that, you're most likely are not going to find a very successful 2020. All right, Jocko, I got to push pause. That was a big statement. That, yeah, that's big idea number one for this podcast today. You're telling me that we have to, by 2020, we need to be able to compress what we used to take a lot longer uh, to do down to six months if you want to be a leader that's making it happen in 2020. Did I get that right? You got that right. Okay, so you know what the next question is. How the hell do you do that? Now, in order for us to think about how we are training and how we're doing that, we got to let go of the historic ID of what training is. Mm. That historic ID essentially is recurring training with an annual lesson spread over two days called the sales kickoff. That won't longer work. It won't. What we find again, and I am telling you this is embarrassing how many sales leaders, they simply want the training as a checkbox. Did the sales kickoff? Get this Red Bull energized bunny. 
the amount of companies that we have to tell, it won't work. We'll take your money if you want us to. It won't work. Mm. And they still say that, well, no, 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 we'll take it. We'll take it. We want the energy. I'm like, look, you're buying the show. You're buying the motivation. You're not buying the training that these people need. They still choose to buy it. It's the checkbox of the organizer of the sales kickoff, need an energetic trainer. Is the checkbox of the, the management. We perform the training. Everybody's successful. But did the students learn the content they were supposed to? Every metric in every book, every piece of science that can tell you about education says 90% of that content is lost within the first, first 30 to 60 days. That's right. I've seen the same studies, yes. So we all know it doesn't work, and yet CEOs still allow for this to happen. And, oh, by the way, if you look at the amount of money is spent on this, you know, look at like hundreds of people on two days in hotels flying down there, all this. Right. This is often one of the largest, if not the largest expense that the company can make. And yet they refuse to understand that the training just does not work like that. So we have to, if you ask me how we're going to do that, we have to understand that training in today's world is no longer a one-time thing. It's a thing that starts on day one and it ends on the last day that they leave the company. Mm-hmm. Training happens all the time. And I prefer to use the word coaching over training because I think training feels more like the historic approach. Coaching feels more like, hey, we're sitting side by side and you're helping me succeed rather than you're trying to. Training, I feel successful training ends in certification. So, so hang can on. I ask you a question? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, finish. And I have a question. Successful training ends in certification. Successful coaching ends in productivity. Ah, that's another big idea. That's big idea number two, Jocko, on this. Okay, so that, you answered my question before I even, I even asked it. Successful training ends in certification. Successful coaching ends in productivity. And, and so I love that. So I've heard it said before by someone, I can't remember who, that training is what you do in large groups and coaching is what you do individually. Uh, does that fit into that in you, how, or, or is that still old school thinking? That's, uh, no, I, I would embrace that because I think it's a good, you know, the mindset behind it. But I believe, look, if you and I would role play right now and we yep. would role play a cold call one-on-one, we have yes. one-on-one coaching, right? How many people would learn from you and I role playing on this podcast right now? A call Tons. Call? Everyone would. Everyone Everybody would. Everybody yeah. would. Yeah. So coaching, although one-on-one is the way to engage it, it doesn't mean that it just happens to one-on-one and people can benefit. Proper coaching can benefit lots of people as we're doing on our YouTube channel, on the Winning by Design YouTube channel. We, we record these role plays and then demonstrate them to you. And so other people can learn from them because if, if people hear you and I role play, they're going to go like, Oh, I would have said that. I would have done this. And so they are going to say, Rob, you suck. Don't do it like that. That's what they'll say. <laughs> no, essentially what, what happens is, and I, I always like to, to, to bring this up during, as, as we run these coaches, uh, coach plays and these role plays in the coaching session. You are giving me, you are giving in that role play the entire audience the opportunity to learn. Therefore, we should not judge you. We should only like respect and appreciate that you're giving us the opportunity to learn. Because guaranteed, if I'm a professional coach, of course I know where to make you fail. I do this for a living. You do of this course. for a living. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, so I'm, I'm always very open and, you know, like saying like, look, we should celebrate the people who role play because they are helping us accelerate our learning. I love that. So, so that's really good. So those are a couple of big ideas. Um, we got to compress down to six months. The only way we're going to do that is if we change how we look at training. 
training uh, re- results in certification and coaching results in productivity. So it gives me a question, Jaco, that I, that I bet you some of our listeners uh, are gonna are gonna ask. Does that mean certifications are not important, or do they just become different? I mean, what's the role of that? So the we need to separate productivity from certification for a very reason. If I coach you and I correlate it directly to certification, then a young person, a new generation person, does not like the coaching because the end result is that whether they succeed or fail. Got it. They do not like that. So if I give you a tool like we have ourselves, and I know we we, we learn from it and we're trying to change it over the, over the months to come. If I have a, have a tool that is teaching you, and the end of that teaching and coaching, I then make you do a test, then, you know, like it, it, the testing should be done somewhere else at some different time, that level of certification. Hmm. Now, if I want to do a discovery call and I want to know how a discovery call, and it is lesson seven in a 12 point lesson plan, and you tell me I have to go for the first six lessons to get to lesson seven so I know how to do a discovery call, then here's why it won't work. I got a discovery call 15 minutes from now. Your train online training session takes five minutes. Why can I not watch it right now? <laughs> That's a great question. Right? And so people What's would the say, answer? the answer is, of course you can, the right answer is, of course you can watch it. Go watch it. If you then watch it and you come to the conclusion, oh, holy smokes, it's a little bit more complicated than I thought it would. Maybe I should watch lesson one to six. Then you are inherently motivated to do that. If I tell you, you're not allowed to see seven, lesson number seven until you see lesson one and six. One is forced hierarchically. The other one is built peer to peer and comes from the inside, from you. The second part coming from you is how you learn. Forcing it down your throat with certification and making you go through one to six is essentially what is backfiring in today's organization. Hmm. So now let's, let's close the loop on these couple first big ideas. And this has been awesome. I mean, this first. 15 minutes of this podcast, man, you just, you just dropped some great knowledge. So Jaco, we're trying to compress time. We got to first change certification versus productivity. What should a sales leader do that's listening to this podcast right now that says, okay, I want to do that. What, what do they do? What, what, what's the like first couple of things they should do right now? Okay. To you? In order to simplify, I'm going to give a few simple steps. Step number one, based on your current experience, bring you to, Company, bring your, bring your sales team in, right? And I mean the prospectors, the sales team, and probably the onboarders, right? That group, that would be a good core group to work with. And then have them determine the four or five key moments that matter most to the customer. Figure out what that is. Oh, you know, when they, our first outbound email is really important. The discovery call, the onboarding experience, right? Figure out what those steps are. Figure out like four, five, six key moments. Say like, hey, these are the ones that essentially when the customer values the most. Mm. Okay. In those moments, then say, okay, well now, what will be the best experience that we can create? Define that. Write it down. Commit to it. And as you've seen on the Lucid Chart, if you go to um, lucidchart.com slash WBD, you see a yep. number of these that we've created. If you go there, you see like create and visualize what that moment looked like. Oh, I first open up the call, then I ask a few questions, then I set the agenda, whatever that is. Define what the best experience in your mind is. Okay? Now, what you're going to do is you're going to train your, you're going to record a few calls and week by week, you're going to tighten that up. You're yes. going to listen to the call. Am I improving it? Am I making it better? If you, over a period of six months, 
cannot make that single call 10 to 20% better from where it was in, a, in, in six months, you would surprise me. Like you cannot tell me that you can make a 10 to 20% improvement. I love that, Jocko, because here's why. This is something you and I, <clears throat> excuse me, this is something you and I haven't talked about. I, I believe there's four levers that lead to product to production, and one of them is skills. And my definition of a skill is something that you can procur- become proficient, proficient in in six months or less. So you picked that same six-month window. So, yeah, it's, I, I think you're dead on. I, I love that approach to say let's make sure we're very targeted in what we're trying to get better rather than just like everybody just go work hard. That's, that's what I'm hearing you say. That's what, exactly what you're hearing me say. Now, I'm going to use another trick if you're ready for another one. Get, get, give it to me. Okay. If I improve 10% and I do 1.1, right? 1.1 equals 1 plus 10%, right? And I put that to the power of 7, I get 2x. That means if across 7 points in time, 7 moments that matter to the customer, I can improve the entire performance by 10%, I can double my sales. All right, so obviously we have to know what those seven moments are. Are they, are they different for every company or are, in your experience, are there really seven crucial moments that matter? I find that these moments that matter that in generally are the same. If I only take four moments, right, then I need to improve by 20%. Got it. So okay. say that again, so it's, it's 10% done seven times, I get how much better? If you wait 10% across seven moments, you get twice better. So I double my productivity if I get small improvements in these seven crucial areas. If I only do it in four, I got to get 20%. But what I love is you're going to break this down and we're going to be able to have a blueprint. I, I love your book, Blueprints, and all your books. We're, when we get to the end of this, we're going to make sure everybody knows how to get your stuff, Jocko. Um, I want to know the seven things and maybe have an example or two on how we get 10% better in those. Okay, so so what we see is that that the math is different. This is what we got to understand. We are raised in a world of additions. In order to double, if I talk to my marketer and my marketer gives a thousand leads, and the thousand leads lead to a hundred thousand dollars in sales, right? That would be good. If I say I want to double my sales, what is my number one response? What is my number one way of approaching that? What's the first thing I say? More leads. More leads. Give yeah. me two extra leads. Yeah, now, leads. if I have ten salespeople. And my uh, CRO says, hey, I need you to double your sales. What is, if you relate it to salespeople, what is, what do you tell your salesperson, sales leader? You're telling the sales leader, if you're saying we have to double the, that, we're saying either I had to go buy more or everybody's got to work harder. It's one of those things, gotta, right? Exactly. We got to either have two more salespeople, so I need to double the sales team, or I got to figure out how to make them work twice as hard, right? That's right. That's right. If I say it's like based on product, we got to double our sales, you're going to say, oh, we need to double the price. So every time that we want to double the sales, our initial gut reaction of a siloed person is double the leads, double the salespeople, double the price. It is a very irresponsible way of growing because doubling is just not feasible. I mean, we would have been doing that in the first place. So, but if I, I got to interrupt you. I have, before you go, hold your thought, but I have to ask the question or else I'm going to forget. It's my show, so you have to listen to me, okay? Um, <laughs> um, is that the most common? Is that like you work with sales leaders around the world, Jocko? Is that the common go-to move is double the whatever? Absolutely. Okay. Okay, let me, let me say the following. If you have 20 salespeople and you miss quota and, and 40% of the quota was missed, who do you blame? Who am I? The sales leader, or am I the am I the CEO? You're either, either way, you know. Like if I'm the CEO, I blame the sales leader. If I'm the sales leader, I blame the people that miss that miss the the goal. Okay, if you're doing extremely well, 
and you are essentially you 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 see that there's so much sales that you, you need to you, you could double productivity or you could double uh, revenue. You normally would hire more salespeople, right? You go to your sales per, your CRO and say like, I need more salespeople. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. So in both cases, you determine people is the key to either doubling or correcting. Got it. So the people, that's what you're saying. You're pointing to the people. I got it. Yes. That, that, that makes total sense. Go to a manufacturing company and see if they, they think that people are the key thing in order to increase productivity. They'll say process, won't they? They will say process. Go to an, a hospital that says, and they say process. Go to an army. They say process. Everybody in the world that knows in order to increase productivity, of course, people have a role, but the primary thing should be the process. If people miss quota, it ain't a people problem. It's a process problem. If you hit quota, you shouldn't reach out to primarily start doubling and and quadrupling this or that. You should look at the process. Love it. You know I love it. You're speaking my language. That's really a great way of looking at it. Okay, so so is that the first of the seven? I mean, so we're on your seven moments. I want to know these seven moments that matter and how we raise them by 10%. Okay, so I, you know, like I'll, I'll give a few. I think the discovery call is quite mundane because everybody knows it, right? And so the discovery call is one where we believe is one of those key moments. And, you know, we have published this both on the YouTube channel verbally and as well as on the Lucid Chart channel, um, where you can, can download that. But we know that there's certain elements of that discovery call. One of that we really stand for is at the opening of the call, we call acing the call. A stands for appreciate, C stands for check the time, E stands for set the end goal. And so we ask our, our, our clientele to say to when they're on the phone with a customer, they start and kick it off. They have some social talk. I go, but then when it, when the time crunch starts, we call appreciate you folks taking the time. Let me ask, is everybody still good till the bottom of the hour? And then, you know, like if two people say yes and the third person say nothing, we say like, well, make sure you call that third person out. Michael, I didn't hear you. Was that, was that still good for you? And Michael then says, yes, yes, yes. I have to leave five minutes early. And so we now know that the call needs to be five minutes shorter. Therefore, that the close time needs to be five minutes before that. Then we say, well, I have you on the call today for a discovery call. And if this call today is successful, we would logically move forward with a demo. Does that sound right? And then the customer responds, yeah, that, that, that's what we're here for. Now, what okay. we see, what we have done, we simply put a very simple process in place called ACE. And this ACE set the end goal. Most people do not set the end goal. They set the agenda. So rather, if I ask you, hey, Rob, where are we flying today? You would tell me, oh, we're going to take an Uber to San Francisco airport. And the Uber is really, really expensive. So we're going to take an Uber black and Uber has water. And then at the airport, we're going to have dinner. I'm like, Rob. Where are we flying to today? Oh, well, you know, like, dude, I just want to know we're flying to Madrid. <laughs> then I can ask, how do we get to Madrid? Oh, we're going to take an Uber ride. We're going to take an airplane ride. And when we arrive in Madrid, we're going to take a taxi. Okay. That is what a proper end goal is. And most people do not send a proper end goal at the beginning of the call. Because when I, when I come to the end of the call, I can simply say, folks, did we address the agenda topics today? Closed end at the question, yes or no answer. If they say yes, I can move forward. If they say no, we did not receive a satisfactory answer today, what can I ask Rob? If I ask you, uh, Rob, did we get today to the end of the meeting that you wanted? And you say no. What can I ask? What didn't we, what didn't we get? Uh, what wasn't clear? What other information can I give you? What other, you know, lots of open-ended questions like that to discover and learn more. What did we miss? Perfect, right? Yeah. 
It's awesome. Now, I love it. Now you say yes. We actually did achieve what we wanted. I say, okay, well, so as we schedule the demo, yeah. As we said at the beginning of the call, we would follow it up with a demo. May I ask, are you ready to move forward with a demo? And the customer then says, yes. And now here's a key that we were teaching a lot of people. If you say, you now say yes, right? So, so let me run this by you, Rob. Uh, based on what you've seen, so may I ask, are you ready to move forward with a demo? Yes. Rob, is this the first time you do a demo, or have you done a demo before? No, I have never seen your demo before. After this conversation, I'm actually really interested to see it. Okay. Well, may I ask, have you done other demos similar to it? Uh, yes, of course. Yeah. May, we're may we're in a structured for, search right now. Okay. Well, may I ask, based on what you're currently doing, what is normally the outcome of a successful demo for you? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, I love it, Jocko. This is fantastic. It's so good. Yeah, no, I... Uh, the outcome would be well we would set a we would set a uh, a plan on what the next steps would be after we had a chance to circle amongst our team and compare notes okay well, now based on that plan can we address a few is there other people involved normally in that process when you draw up a plan at the end of the demo always we we have many people that will be involved in making a decision here okay would it make sense for those people to attend the demo you know, that's a really good question. It probably does. Uh, rather than have to do this again, uh, I, I could see that we should probably get, you know, this, these three people involved in that demo. Exactly. And so what I'm now doing, Rob, because I aced at the beginning of the call, I come now to the end of the call, I call back. And in this process, like a soccer player, like an American football player, I'm running a proper play. Mm. Now, that play doesn't always work. It works, let's say, 50, 60, 70% of the time. But what I'm doing is... I am setting and staging meeting after meeting and the successful outcome of next demo, I'm already staging that right now. That's professionalism. That can be taught. That can be taught by a person who's three months into a job. They can do this. Now, of course, if you're, you know, like that is what we talk about. How do we create a decade worth of experience in three months time frame? How do you do it? That's how you do it. I love it, dude. That's fantastic. I, uh, that's a great one. So you got seven of those moments. Are these in your in any of your books right now? I mean, I, I've got. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now. I'm, I'm looking at several of yours. Is this in the uh, SAS as a science book or? That's, is this, that is most- in, this is in sales as a science, which on the cover has X to the power of seven. All right. I'll give you another one, and it shows you. You know, it's a little bit for the customer success audience of your of your podcast. Yeah. Onboarding primarily focused on onboarding. Right. And we recently were, were received the onboarding experience ourselves from a particular software vendor. And I'm sitting on that call and I realize that both sides of the call, that company trying to onboard us and us being onboarded, the whole goal of what we are there for is to check the box. They just want to check the box. We are properly onboarded and we just want to check the box. We're properly onboarded. That's the whole goal of both sides. Like let's both get through this as quickly as possible. With that, we're missing an opportunity. And I'll give you an example. If I properly onboard you, I may ask, Rob, Rob, you know, like you're the CEO of Exvoyan, right? Yep. And so, man, you know, like, do you have like a team meeting every month? Yep. We and do. is that like every Monday? When, when may I ask, when, when, when is that? First Tuesday of every month. First Tuesday of every month. Now, now I know this. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to assume that what will you be doing if your team meeting is on Tuesday every month? What will you be doing on Monday? Very likely getting ready for it. Now, when you're ready for it, you're probably in some time crunch because like everybody else, you're busy. And so you probably are like in some time crunch pulling it together. Yep. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm now going to instruct my team. Since Rob now has on every Tuesday a meeting, which we now know, maybe we could send Rob something on Monday that will make his uh, his meeting on Tuesday more beneficial. Now, what I want if I sell you something, I want to make sure that I showed to you the impact. So if I'm Slack, I'm going to send you on Tuesday how much successful Slack messages were sent, how many new subscribers were on in a very nice visual chart. Because if I send you a nice visual chart with three key takeaways, what are you going to do with that material I send you right before your meeting? What am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to look at it, and then I'm going to drop it in my materials, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to celebrate it. Because you have essentially yeah. something that is easy to copy. What yeah. that means? What that thank means, you. I'll call, I'm going to call you back and say, dude, thank you. Thank you. Now, what you, what I've just done is I've shown you and I've integrated into your monthly uh, meeting. I've integrated you. I've integrated into your monthly meeting the impact that we at Slack, in this case, if I represent them, are providing you, or that we providing you. I'm now not. I'm demonstrating that to you. So if the renewal comes up, and I've seen you, maybe not all months, but a couple of months, see how great you were and all the impact that you provided. Yeah. then essentially the renewal is a foregone conclusion. Yeah, and I love the word you use. You've just inserted yourself, integrated into that monthly meeting, and you can now be a star of the show in you know, many of those meetings at that point. That's right, and that is showing that I'm changing the onboarding experience, not just in checking the box, but I'm more or less choreographing what else can happen all the way forward because I'm the experienced person. I do this with hundreds of customers. Again, this is process. Is it hard for a person to ask a few of these questions early on to determine this? Of course not. No. It's, and so it's pure integrating the process and saying this is part of the onboarding experience, in which case we call it choreographing that experience. So, so this is the biggest thing that will set apart that 2020 leader is, is how well can they break that down into you've got seven of and you shared one with us and, and then another account management one with us. They can get the rest of your book. This is what makes that 2020 leader the differentiator, that, that, that unfair competitive advantage. If they can help every member of their team intentionally find ways to make this part of who they are. That's right. Because I can teach what I just did with the onboarding experience. How, how long do I need to teach a person to do that? Not very long. Not Those very- are bite sized chunks are probably the best way. And then you check back and say, how's it going? Let's practice another thing. And you can listen to the recorded call, see when it goes wrong. We can discuss it. We learn from it. We repeat it a couple of times. And after some iteration, it will get done. Now, if I don't give you this and I give a customer success manager who is, works an onboarder who works independently from the customer success manager who works independently from the account manager and I'm dry and then trying to get out the same result out of them, I'm essentially, you know, like it's 1% success times 1% success times 1% success. It is not going to be successful. Right? It's really hard to orchestrate all that. If I design this out and I use seven key moments, one for the marketing department, one for the prospecting, two for the, the winning team, one for the onboarding team, one, right? And I create all these moments to connect them and go like, here you go. This is the ideal customer experience. All I ask of you is in this one moment with your customer, let's make sure they sync up with all, across all the entire customer experience. That's sure we use the same word so the customer recognizes it and let's make sure that we improve that. That I can do in six months. That I can guarantee we can get a level of success with, and the only amount of improvement we need to make is 10 to 20%. So, Jaco, this is fantastic. And I, 
I have to, I'm looking at my clock because I still have, I want to make sure that we wrap this and don't run out of time. So you've given a killer blueprint. This has been an amazing conversation. If I'm a sales leader listening to you right now, this sounds to me like they've got to have a plan. Like first, they better know what those moments are and, and then they better start breaking it down into bite-sized chunks. So it's, it's not just certification. It's, 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 uh, it's the productivity. Any advice on how they can prepare themselves so they can be that kind of leader? Yes. Oh, I was supposed to say something there, Rob. <laughs> well, yeah. If, I mean, that's that's what I'm I'm sitting here going. Yeah. What? How do you do? Is, is it is it call you hire you? That's one way. Read your books. Is it like find your moments and break them down and start like? Is there any advice on how you become that guy, that person? Well, yes. And here's the trick. You do not become that person. Okay. The, the key to today's generation is that if I'm your boss and I have like eight, a group of eight people working in my team and I tell them this is how to do it, what does a modern generation respond to that? If I'm telling you, here's how to do it. The modern response. That's a good question. I, I'm going to guess. I think that they'll just try and do what you tell them to do. Yeah, and then it doesn't work. What are they going to tell you? It doesn't work. You, you try to tell them something, and obviously it's not going to work the first or second time. Because... They don't listen to you. Now, now you're someone who doesn't know what to do. Okay. And so essentially what we find is the hierarchical model of, of being told by a boss how to do it is the same thing that we see in classrooms all across the country. When teachers are, you know, like are disciplining their children, their children in the class for doing or not doing whatever they need to be doing. It has an adverse impact. Hmm. So the answer what, is what we need to do is to explain to them first and foremost, why we need to grade 10% improvement to show them that 1.1 equals seven. And then to ask their help, which moments do you think mm. are the most important moments? And then we need to ask them, how do you think we can improve that? And then you can point to like, let's get in this uh, YouTube channel and say like, Hey, there's some things online, poke around, see what you can find. What do you think we can do? And what we find is if we give that and a couple of searches, it's going to take them like a, a day, a week to f pull this all together. And then we go like, then we ask, do you think it makes sense we do it this way? And then you ask, how can I help you do this way? In, in this case, a modern sales leader is no longer a trainer who tries to get you to do stuff that he, he or she wants you to but rather coaches you to do so that you essentially as a new, as an employee, you have a coach that helps you achieve by giving, pointing you the right direction, not taking you by the hand and dragging you along, along the trail. So this is fantastic. You have me fired up right now. You like totally have motivated me and inspired me with this, the way you've answered this. This is going to require uh, some people that are hearing you to be introspective and, and, is it worth, is it worth the work to become this kind of a leader? I mean, maybe this is a good way to wrap up this conversation. Then I, I want to go into our kind of three rapid fire that we finish every interview with. But is, is it worth it? I mean, this, this is a skill you develop as a leader, right? This is a skill. And I believe if you do not develop this in 2020, there will be no need for you to become a 2021 or 2022 leader because Man. the mod, the modern leader, this is modern leadership. That. 
is all we have to say. If you don't develop this, you will not be needed in 21 or 22. I love it. Jaco, that's fantastic. Can I, can I shift off of that? This was one of the more inspirational and informational conversations. You did for all of our listeners what you've done for me for a couple of years now. I, I'm very grateful to have you as a friend and a mentor and so appreciative to have you on my show. Ah, bullshit. You say that to everyone. No, I don't. I'm, I'm actually, uh, fairly helpful <laughs> on that. You've helped me a lot. As you know, I've already told you that you've helped, you've been very helpful to me. Okay. Um, hang on. On that. Hang on. We just need to do that a little bit. Okay. On that. <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I need to it. do Three questions that we finish with everyone. I can't wait for your take on, on our rapid fire three questions. Okay. Go for it. Number one. Biggest sales leadership challenge that you've seen and how does someone overcome it? Biggest sales leader I've seen is alpha leadership, predominantly alpha males, overcoming their alpha skills in order to build a more diverse team and a more coaching style. But the alpha is still, has always been a strong leader to run up that hill, but today has become an issue because their natural uh, drawn behavior has an adverse impact. That's a good one. You're the first one to say that one. Is there like one like best practice or a top of mind if I have an alpha listening to you right now that identifies with us or one thing they ought to think about doing? Uh, yes. Learn from the way how in general they're in their mid-40s, mid-50s. Learn from the way how their kids are being taught in school and recognize how much different today's education is and then realize and correlate that back to their own world. Okay, boom, number one, done. Number two, uh, this is by popular demand. One of the questions that uh, our listeners have asked me to mix in, Jaco, your favorite interview question when interviewing a potential rep? It's not an interview question. It's an, interv- it, it, it's an interview point. Okay. My number one thing is, are they taking notes? If they are not taking notes, I am not, you know, like it is a really bad sign to me. So, the, the reason is I give them five – I say something like, in today's uh, uh, talk, these five things are of key importance. I'm going to give you five key things. If they're not taking those five things down, then uh, in my opinion, they are almost an immediate risk in order for hiring. Taking notes is the key skill set I'm looking for. I love it. That's so good. Jocko, you're a beast. Last one, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Leaders are readers, and I don't care if it's like pages you're turning or audibles you're listening to or blogs or whatever. What are some things uh, that, that a sales, like one or two things that a sales leader in your mind ought to be making sure they're consuming so they can be at the top of their 2020 game? I am not, I may not be normal. and I, We already I, know that, Jocko. We already know that. And so what I'm about to say is going to backfire on me because this is like, here's my problem. I don't, I'm not a, a person who, who learns from reading. And, um, the other thing that I find is, is the dogmatism of reading yep. is essentially is somebody else who's brainstorming me with their ID. So let's say that you write a book about how to work with customers. Okay. Now, what I see in this process, you write that book. That book is the outcome of a marketing machine that puts every word, reviews it 15, 20 times, again and again. It's hashed, it's hashed, it's hashed, it's hashed, right? Okay. It's not a process of authenticity. At the end of the, the day, as I know, and you know, speaking you know, like in, over time to book publishers, they look at like, look, I know your idea is Chris Piaco, and I know that it only takes 20 pages. People just don't pay 19.95 for a 20-page book. Right. Can you fluff it up so we can get it to 200 pages? 
So now what I got, you're wasting my time to bring a crystal and clear ID. And what you're doing in generally is you're adding lots of customer success stories to it. Yep. And so what I find for me, the challenge of reading books is I see through all that. Okay. Look, if you write a book about customers, I'm in front of customers every day. Why do I need to read your book to read your point of view? I probably should learn about the customers while talking to them. I love it. So, so what, how do you feed, how do you feed what uh, drives your learning and creativity then? I think podcasts and YouTube videos are way more essential in this because what I see and what you hear me do today, this is not a well-marketed and polished. You hear me drop an ass bomb here and there. You see the authenticity. So you now know the depth, the lack of depth. You hear everything in the book. I, I'm not reading what I, I, I'm saying. I'm reading what I wrote and that got interpreted by 15 ghostwriters and correction and, you know, like, and this and that and tuned into a machine. I need to learn from the hardcore. I love it. So what's your favorite? What's maybe one podcast that sales leader ought to listen to? I refuse to do that because whichever one I pick, I got so many friends, the other one will tell me. All right. We're good, dude. I love it. Let's get, uh, you made a great point. So let's, let's shift this way. Let's tune them into your stuff because I think everyone that's listening to this should be following you. You're one of my, my uh, places that I go to. I, I watch your videos, your YouTube channels, killer. I have your books, right? Um, even though you say you're the anti book, that's kind of funny because I love your books. And, uh, but so, no, no, my books are not books to read. My books are, <laughs> right, right? Yeah, no, your, your, your books are, are workbooks. They are, they are books that, that stimulate my thinking for sure. Yeah. They're there to do, not to, to, to read. And the other thing, you know, like you have to understand the traditional book is written on 80 to 86,000, uh, uh, words are in there. The books that I write, yeah, that's the reason why publication for us through official channels is always a, a, a big hog because we write books in order to get the content across the quickest way. So our books are in the 20 to 30,000 words that, that with lots of pictures and visual explanations yep. that you comprehend with a traditional publisher. So, so how do our listeners get more of you? I mean, I guarantee you, Jocko, there's a lot of people that may have seen you, heard you at a conference, whatever, and now they're getting really introduced to you in a more personal way. How do people connect, get more of what you're laying down, okay, uh, really so, get introduced? I, I want them to get more of the Jocko and Winning by Design story. Okay, so if you want you know, to, to learn more about this X7 concept and the examples and the math behind it and the science behind it, obviously there's a book on, on Amazon called Sales as a Science, and, and obviously that's by me. On Lucidchart, if you go to lucidchart.com slash WBD, all the templates have been integrated, all the models, uh, the visual charts, the visualization of, of, of these calls, of these unique moments are all available inside Lucidchart complimentary. And on top of that, we support all of them with our YouTube channel, with full-on YouTube uh, videos detailing every part of sales where I go to the whiteboard or to the blackboard and explain step-by-step step how, why things are the way they are, how you can fix them and what actions you can take. And, and I think there's a pretty good video of you and I uh, crashing a stage on sales hacker somewhere, right? Oh yes. <laughs> that is a renowned video where uh, we give them some of the math behind it. Yeah. So but Rob, I, I'm not that interested in, well, although I'm obviously I'm interested in people coming to us and, and I'm grateful. For that. What I'm most interested in, when people listen to a podcast like this is that they stop listening to the standard material and that they start thinking for themselves and go like, Hey, what are some things that have changed in the world and how are we responding to that? And I'll give you a very simple example. When I buy a car, Rob, when I buy a car, who takes the risk on buying the car? The buyer, the buyer, 
Does a seller take any significant risk? Not really. Not really. When Now, the car takes me to the office, right? That allows me to get to the office, right? Yep, yep. yep. Is, there any, is there any other way how I can get to the office, a more modern way instead of buying a car? Of course. You could Uber. You could Lyft. Okay. You could do I, There's lots of ways, yeah. I go take an Uber. Who takes the risk on buying a car and an Uber ride? The driver now. The driver. So you're telling me that in the case of the driver, who is in this case the seller. So buying a car, I, the buyer, take all the risk. Getting an Uber, I, the seller, takes all the risk. Right. So you're telling me that the risk has radically flipped in those things, things, right? Without a doubt. In today's world, SaaS is a form of the Uber. And the perpetual software sales is a responsibility of the car. That means in today's world, the risk profile has 100% reversed. Don't you think that we as sales leaders should adjust every part of our sales process to that, the way how we compensate, quota, the way how we train? That is not a small change. That is a gargantuous change. And for example, the proof of concept where the buyer takes all the risk in the enterprise sales is understood. But the proof of concept in a SaaS sales deal where the seller takes all the sale is a complete waste of time and energy and needs to be explained to the customer is no longer reasonable. Jocko, this is good stuff, man. I'm so glad you joined us. <laughs> our, our listeners, how they're so, I mean, this is, I'm so happy you joined us. We will have to do this again. You, uh, we're, we're going to have deep thoughts with, with Jocko Vanderkoy. Um, Rob, 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 one thing, then I'll let you go, okay? Yeah. Because obviously you can't let me go, but I need to let you go. Here's the thing. What did you learn? What was your key takeaway from today that you, that, that you think is, is radical, that, that, that you speak to a lot of folks like me? Yep. What was one thing that stood out for you? So you had a number of big ideas. My, my favorite big idea is the idea of moving away from checkbox because I think checkbox mentality, and I think you know, Jaco, I do, I do a, a so what at the end of every episode. I think checkbox mentality is more than just saying, uh, did I get trained? It's like what you said, when you're being onboarded, you just want to say to our team, I think that if we take the lens of what does checkbox mentality mean as a leader, and if we can start uh, becoming more innovative and, and being more production-oriented, you know, productivity. I love your idea of, of metrics, use of metrics. There's volume data, conversion data, productivity data. I, I think that, that fuels this. And for me, I'm going to leave and I'm going to challenge our listeners to leave saying, how do we make sure that we eliminate checkbox mentality uh, and we uh, move closer towards improvement and productivity mentality? Because that's what will make us more impactful as a leader. Rob, on that time, it's time to peace out! <laughs> you later, brother. My man, Jocko Vanderkoy, founder, CEO of Winning by Design. Hit him up. Watch his stuff. You will be better. And thank you, Jocko, for episode number 50. I can't wait for the next 50. Woo! <laughs>
If you are not following Winning by Design, if you are not following Jocko, uh, follow him on LinkedIn, follow him on Twitter, hit his YouTube channel, his videos that he puts out are really, really innovative and they are really, really helpful. One of the things I love about Jocko is he has this way of taking a different lens at looking at sales, particularly for SaaS. If you don't have his books, get your hands on them. I think they're required reading for any sales leader. In particular, I like the newest one, Sales as a Science. Um, that's where he has the full formula of the 10% improvement across seven different moments that matter uh, in order to double your performance. Get, get your hands on it. You'll dig it. Listen, I don't need to break it down. Jocko asked me what I thought my big idea was, and I already talked about moving from checkbox mentality to performance and production mentality. And I think that's a really good lens for every single sales leader to look at. Are we moving away from checking the boxes? Are we moving away from spreadsheet leadership? Are we finding ways to individualize? Listen, I, I, I've done a lot of content around coaching. Um, I hope you've looked at our seven deadly sins of coaching. And I think individualization is one of the most commonly violated laws of coaching. It's really hard for some sales leaders to individualize because they've got the spreadsheet mentality. They've got this uh, leaderboard mentality. Uh, we look at activities as just more activities equals more results. The sooner you're able to connect with the individual and, and, and find ways to individualize that, that route to the top. I think about climbing a mountain. And when, when somebody uh, goes straight to the top, when, when someone wants to go to the, to the mountain, some people can just go straight up to the top. But other people have to take switchbacks and pick a different route to get there. And our job as sales leaders is to help every single leader get to the top in an individualized pathway. And individualization is hard. And sales leaders often just like to say, this is the way we do it, step up and you know, follow this plan, and then you'll go straight to the top. Most of the time, it doesn't work. We, we found that most of the time, salespeople are outliers. Instead of 70 to 80% being in the middle, it's like 60 to 70% are on the top or the bottom, and only 30, 35% are in the middle. And so you're going to have to individualize. So when I got off that, that podcast, and, and Jocko and I were, were, were talking as we finished, he asked me to share one message. He asked me to share, make sure the leaders know how important it is to make the individual reps the heroes. We as leaders are not the heroes. Stay off that pedestal. Make the individual reps the heroes. We do it by having great conversations. We're in a time when people are just trying to uh, make everything easier and more electronic. Be very real. Be very authentic in your communications with each individual rep. Make them the hero. Make sure your one-on-one is 100% about them. Help them learn how to do things like Jocko taught of acing uh, the demo, for instance. Help them move past checkbox mentality themselves by helping by you taking a productivity approach and creating individualized ways of helping them uh, tweak and pull the levers to make sure that they optimize themselves. And if you could be that kind of a leader to help them become the hero, uh, and, and you're really just that Sherpa that helps them get to the top of the mountain, I promise you, you'll become legendary for that person. I promise you, your team will improve faster than you ever thought. And I promise you, you'll find your job much more fulfilling than you've ever found it. I want to thank my friend Jocko uh, for joining us. He, he's such a great guy. He's such a great leader. He's such an insightful sales leader. Please, please connect and, and learn what he's doing. And finally, thank you. 
the Sales Leadership Podcast has grown remarkably fast. Uh, I'm grateful to every one of you that that has subscribed. I'm grateful to all of our guests. I'm grateful to the suggestions you're giving us on questions to ask and guests to get on. My commitment to you is we will not slow down. We will only make this a better resource, uh, get better and better and more insightful and more insightful because my mission is to help every single sales leader uh, have the greatest impact they possibly can happen, ha- have with every rep on their team. I'm passionate about it. I care deeply about it. And I'm deeply grateful that each of you have found our show as a resource. So thank you for 50, and here's to the next 50. And as always, don't worry, just execute, because we got you. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit, the modern sales leadership platform for salesforce.com users. You can visit Exploit at exvoyant.com.